This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. I'm going to get right back into this. So what James Giordano is talking about right now, folks, is the ability to scan a brain, understand how the brain works, understand individually how your brain works, and then how to manipulate you, okay? So if they understand what makes you tick, all right, then they could manipulate your ticking, all right? So that's how it all starts, all right? Let's continue with James Giordano the way I want you to. Obviously, it takes some energy to put people into a big magnet and scan their brain. There's a whole bunch of things that are limitations of brain imaging. We recognize that. That's part of the mission. We seek to delimit those particular constraints and through the use of co-registered different forms of neuroimaging make it better. Some of these forms of neuroimaging are fieldable, operationalizable in field missions. Okay, let's pause for a second. So do you hear what he just said? That his guys understand the limitations of getting you or me or just a regular person into a machine to scan their brain. So part of his mission is to figure out how to simplify that process, miniaturize the technology. All right, so they're starting to try to figure out how to brain scan people on a mass level. I don't know, folks. I'm not saying this is it, but let's just say you were going to roll out an AR VR headset via Apple for $2,000 and you were going to give it to people on a 36 to 48 month payment plan handed out by AT&T, Verizon or T-Mobile. And so someone was going to pay, you know, 40 to $60 a month for this thing. And it has 12 cameras inside, heat sensors, all kinds of other technology. Who even knows? It's not like anyone is going to take it apart and look at it. Then let's say they have an ability to read people's brains that way. I don't know. Let's say they had the ability to, like, I don't know, orchestrate some kind of a international health emergency. I don't know. Call it a pandemic. And they were somehow able to get a large percentage of people to line up at a high school parking lot and let them smear something on their brain via a Q-tip or even get people, I mean, this would be crazy. I don't know how they would do this, but get people to line up and let them stick them with needles. They would put some sort of nanobots or some kind of dye or something into their body. And then maybe as they're walking around, all this different smart technology that people put in their house or that's even on the streets with different uh, street lights and stop lights and things like that, that somehow they could scan people's brains i don't know i mean i'm just throwing something out there trying to war game this from a crazy psychopathic frankenstein doctor 
point of view, you know, a mindset of a madman. I'm just trying to come up with ideas. If I was sitting in a room wargaming this with Dr. James Giordano, these are probably some of the ideas I would come up with. They'd say, you're crazy. You can't orchestrate an international pandemic and get people to line up and let you stick them with needles. I would say, sure you could. Sure you could. All right, folks, you get the point. All right, let's continue with this. Neuroimaging make it better. Some of these forms of neuroimaging are fieldable, operationalizable in field missions. Some of them are not. We're seeking to make these things more operationalizable, not only for military medicine to assess individuals who may have incurred brain injury and or the effects of brain injury inclusive of things like PTSD and other forms of neuropsychiatric disorders, but also to understand better how it is that our individuals are able to think through certain situations, how their brains work, and be able to classify those individuals and perhaps specify the way we train them, the way we sustain that training, and then we maximize their performance. Okay, so now what he's doing is he's talking about taking guys injured in the field and then basically understanding how their brains work and retrain them. Nothing really important there, but he's always setting up uh, what he's about to get into. So you have to understand what he's talking about before we move on to the next step. All right, let's continue. We can use other methods as well. Genetics, biomarkers, and information. And that information is critical. One of the things you must learn is as military personnel... Your demographic, biological, social, and psychological information exists in your jacket and is, in fact, retrievable in real time. That information becomes ever more important as we try to understand the you-ness of you. And the nature to classify that information, hold that information secure, doesn't only exist on the medical side with regard to your HIPAA records, but increasingly is becoming a concern for national security when these large-scale big databases of brain structure and function, physiology, biopsychosocial demographics become ever more available and ever more relevant to what's making you tick, what's making you talk, what's making you strong, what's making you vulnerable. See that? So he's admitting to right there these big, huge international databases on every single individual. And he's telling these cadets at the West Point Military Academy that they have a jacket on them with all of their health statistics, and they are going to understand and know what makes them tick, what makes them talk, what makes them strong, and what makes them vulnerable. Now, it's not just them, folks. It's not the million men and women who serve in the military. This is a database they are building on everyone as i told you we are the enemy the transhumanist technocrats look at us as the enemy we are the plebes we are the peasants we are the serfs we are a threat to them in the very least we use their resources okay we use up their toilet paper they don't like that you know, and in worst case scenario, we uh, could rise up and harm them. And they don't want that happening, folks. So he's sitting there telling these cadets that they have a jacket on all of them. It was, it was like a sci-fi movie. And these guys don't even rise up and say, hey, screw you, pal. All right, let me, let me rewind that so you can hear it again. That was almost like a monologue out of a science fiction movie. Think through certain situations, how their brains work, and be able to classify those individuals and perhaps specify the way we train them, the way we sustain that training, and then we maximize their performance. We can use other methods as well. Genetics, biomarkers, and information. And that information is critical. One of the things you must learn is as military personnel, 
Your demographic, biological, social, and psychological information exists in your jacket and is, in fact, retrievable in real time. That information becomes ever more important as we try to understand the you-ness of you. And the nature to classify that information, hold that information secure, doesn't only exist on the medical side with regard to your HIPAA records, but increasingly is becoming a concern for national security when these large-scale big databases of brain structure and function, physiology, biopsychosocial demographics become ever more available and ever more relevant to what's making you tick, what's making you talk, what's making you strong, what's making you vulnerable. I mean, really absorb that, folks. That was a lot packed in there. But I mean, that, that, that was invaluable information. He's telling them. He's telling you and me. Remember, this is unclassified. I didn't steal this video from the War Institute, okay? This thing is published online. But he is telling them, he's telling me and you, they have big databases that have us basically indexed like a Dewey Decimal System by our genetics, uh, by our biomarkers, and by our information. And they know what makes us tick, they know what makes us talk, and they could manipulate us. Let's continue. And the fact that other nations, inclusive of China and Russia, are engaging in large-scale neuro big data initiatives to be able to create large-scale databases that can join not only imaging and physiological, but as well as other forms of phenotypic and genetic data of the entirety of populations renders great power because there's great capability in that information to know where key points of strength and vulnerability may lie, and also to intercede, to inject information in, to in some way be able to affect what appears to be your medical record, your personal record, the evidence that is you. And we can take that step to go one step further. The more I know about you and the more I know about the way your brain works as individuals, groups, communities, and even populations, the more I can utilize non-kinetic means such as informational means of narratives, iconographies, semiotics to influence your emotions and your behaviors. We can do this subliminally through computer images. We can do this more liminally through the types of engagements, interactions that we engage through psychological operations and informational operations. We can train better our human terrain teams to be able to interact with individuals in a variety of cultures, groups, settings, and ecologies to, to improve their performance so as to be less distancing and more ameliorating. You understand what he's talking about here? I mean, I, I have to pause it. He's pumping out four or five bullet points with every sentence that he makes. So I, I, what I'm doing here is I, I don't want to pause every single bullet point, folks, because this will take us three months to get through because he talks so quickly. But he's going through a number of instances in which this personalized information, this data they're going to have on each person could be utilized. And so until we get to the points where he's going to talk about really manipulating the mind, I don't want to have to keep stopping and pausing because I think I'm trying to in real time decide if I'm going to piss you off if I don't let him speak or if you want me to keep breaking this down for you. But if I go bullet by bullet, I swear this is going to take us three months because this guy does talk so fast, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he is, he makes me uh, look like I talk like uh, Rocky over here. Hey, Adrian, 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 well, Rocky. You know, but I, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to keep pausing every bullet point. So let me just back that up. I'll replay that set of bullets and then we'll continue. And also to intercede, to inject information in, to in some way be able to affect 
what appears to be your medical record, your personal record, the evidence that is you. And we can take that step to go one step further. The more I know about you and the more I know about the way your brain works as individuals, groups, communities, even populations, the more I can utilize non-kinetic means such as informational means of narratives, iconographies, semiotics to influence your emotions and your behaviors. We can do this subliminally through computer images. We can do this more liminally through the types of engagement interactions that we engage through psychological operations and informational operations. We can train better our human terrain teams to be able to interact with individuals in a variety of cultures, groups, settings, and ecologies to, to improve their performance so as to be less distancing and more ameliorating. Okay, so he was giving out examples there of manipulating people through imagery and everything, and then also talking about it, using it for what he deems as a positive thing, like being able to train soldiers to basically bridge the gap between a soldier and an ally that don't speak the same language, all right? So I think you grasp that. Let me continue. We can go further than that as well. We can also utilize these interventional technologies in those ways that may able to directly affect the brain. Probably the one that you've heard about most recently, most contemporaneously in, in the literature, is the possibility to use some form of directed energy to affect physiology peripherally and also to affect the physiology and health of the brain. Case in point here, U.S. Embassy personnel in Havana and possibly in China. And of course, there's not a lot that I can tell you about that, although I am one of the researchers on that particular project. But this seems to be wholly indicative and supportive of the fact that this was at least some form of directed energy, whether it was wholly intentional or not, still remains to be definitively decided. However, the pattern of insult and injury to those individuals and the pattern of injury of who was affected strongly suggests that this was an intentional and directed engagement and that this represents a beta test, a possible probe of a directed energy neuroweapon. And there are a number of countries that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things, the United States included. Okay, so let's pause there for a second. I want to play that back again. That is important. So he's talking about an incident which occurred. You guys probably remember it where uh, they believe direct energy weapons were being used against um, some of our guys in an embassy. All right, let me just replay this. I think it's important that you do understand this. He just also admitted that the United States has been building this technology as well. There's not a lot that I can tell you about that, although I am one of the researchers on that particular project. But this seems to be wholly indicative and supportive of the fact that this was at least some form of directed energy, whether it was wholly intentional or not, still remains to be definitively decided. However, the pattern of insult and injury to those individuals and the pattern of injury of who was affected strongly suggests that this was an intentional and directed engagement and that this represents a beta test, a possible probe of a directed energy neuroweapon. And there are a number of countries that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things, the United States included. But you also have a whole host of other things that can go bump and bang in your brain. The more we understand the specificity of the brain on a very granular level, the more we're able to derive and develop particular types of drugs that not only can enhance and optimize the performance of our people, but can also be used to mitigate, militate, and in some cases manifest profound morbid changes in their people. All right, let's pause right there, folks. Here we go, getting into the drugs that they can give to basically turn our people 
or I would say his people, into superhumans, and the rest of the people into zombie monsters. When we get back, we will hear what Dr. James Giordano has to say about that, folks. This is jam-packed with intelligence. By the time you're done here, you're going to say, whoa, 65 episodes in, I have learned so much at the Dust and Gold Standard. I know this stuff is mind-blowing, folks, but if you do want to understand the world that we are quickly moving into, this is how you do it, folks. It's reviewing this stuff that is available to us in real time, dissecting it, dismantling it, and analyzing it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. And we are back right here at the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv slash gold. Folks, I know this is a lot to absorb. Well, we've got to work our way through this. I'll inject some more entertaining stuff uh, over the next day or two as we try to finish this up. But I want to get this laid out because there are some other technologies we're going to be looking at. We have to understand what James Giordano is saying before we get into that stuff. All right. We're just adding to this foundation of work. Uh, that we have piled up here. We're understanding this stuff, and then we're going to move forward into the next phase of transhumanism, and I'm going to explain what technocratic technocratic transhumanism is, my theory that the two have merged, and where we're going to be going with that. I just backed this up about 20 seconds. Let's play this. I want you to hear this part again, talking about utilizing drugs to manipulate the mind. Here we go. Countries ...that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things, the United States included. But you also have a whole host of other things that can go bump and bang in your brain. The more we understand the specificity of the brain on a very granular level, the more we're able to derive and develop particular types of drugs that not only can enhance and optimize the performance of our people, but can also be used to mitigate, militate, and in some cases manifest profound morbid changes in their people. In All right, so he's talking about drugs, utilizing drugs to turn our side into superhumans and their side into zombies. And as I said at the beginning of this, don't think about it as our side being the United States military and their side being the North Korea military. Think about it as he says, our side, it's him and the elites, the technocratic transhumanism, and the other side is us, me and you, just the mere mortal human scum that they hate. All right, let's continue. In other words, against the hostile other. Drugs can be exceedingly specific, and as I'll show you in a moment, can be very, very much used to individualize weaponology in terms of what we call precision pathology or precision effect. We can go further. Clearly, one of the things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to their missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. 
Okay, let's pause that for a second and back that up because that is very important. And folks, he's going to get into the specifics on a lot of this stuff, but he was talking about um, basically a brain machine interface. Uh, now, remember, Dr. Charles Morgan III made us aware of the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet being run out of DARPA under the program N-Cube. That is a non-invasive helmet uh, that doesn't go into your brain that allows them to manipulate the brain. He's talking about a brain-machine interface right here. Let me just replay that. Neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate be exceedingly specific, and as I'll show you in a moment, can be very, very much used to individualize weaponology in terms of what we call precision pathology or precision effect. We can go further. Clearly, one of the things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation. The idea Tra All right, let's write that down. Transcranial neuromodulation i love when we get these good scientific words they sound fantastic the transcranial neuromodulation or the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet <laughs> so uh transcranial neuromodulation is when they drill into the head and the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet is the one that sits on top of the head and so remember now he's going to talk about the Neuralink brain chip being used for their friends and their foes. The idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. We can go further to implant certain brain machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now, probably the one that is most, most notorious in a very good sense, is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program. Okay, and that is what I just said. That is the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, N3, he's talking about. So, folks, see that? We don't even have to go look that up in the middle of this because we already know what it is because we already laid the foundation using the DARPA Brain Initiative stuff that we had reviewed in the past. See, I try to do this in a particular order for you so that it continues to build, you know, rather than us sitting here and, and going, uh-oh, what the heck is he talking about? Now we know. So we have the transcranial neuromodulation, and that is implanting a brain chip, and then... And we have the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet through the N3 program at DARPA Brain Initiative. Let's continue. Neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. We can go further to implant certain brain machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now, probably the one that is most, most notorious in a very good sense, is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program being run by their program manager, Dr. Al Mundi. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. The United States is not alone in such efforts. And then, of course, you also have the things that are a little bit more traditional. If we talk about things that can be operable in the biochemical space, we ordinarily talk about drugs, bugs, toxins, and ever more, we're considering devices. Drugs, bugs, drugs, bugs, toxins, 
and devices. Let's write this down, folks. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Everything they'll sell you on Amazon.com. Let's continue. At the last Biological Toxins and Weapons Convention, the RevCon, it was then raised by the Australia group that we need to be a little bit more salient in our attention to those possible neurotechnological devices that may be able to be weaponized. Our group has also argued that the current considerations and extant categories of the Biological Toxins and Weapons Conventions are not detailed enough to be able to appreciate or keep pace with the advances in this form of science that can be weaponized that poses a risk and threat on the battle space. So how then can we use these elements as weapons, means of contending against others? Formal definition of a weapon, right out of the Oxford Old English Dictionary, means of contending against others. Okay, so he's talking about now how to use this as weapons. Means, what did he say, folks? Let's back it up for a second. Make sure we understand this. Means means of contending against others. Means of contending against others, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. Formal definition of a weapon, right out of the Oxford Old English Dictionary. Means of contending against others. And we can do that in a number of ways. We can militate their behaviors and their thoughts in some ways as to make them more amenable to what we do, the idea of positive weaponology. Or we can, in fact, mitigate and in some cases completely nullify their capability, will, or engagement to fight. If we combine those two definitions into one, what you find is those agents that will either change individuals' thoughts, vulnerabilities, volatility to violence and aggression, or incur morbidity, dysfunction, and or mortality in such a way as to then mitigate the engagement altogether. I think that's important, folks. I think we should listen to this again. And at the same time, and I'm not saying this, ladies and gentlemen, but this was in October 2018 at the Modern War Institute at West Point Military Academy in front of the cadets and faculty. And just... Just listen to what he says, but put it in context to, let's say, the American public. And when you ask yourself, oh, as I do all the time, I can't believe no one is rising up. I can't believe during the last two and a half years of COVID land, the high school theater production, no one rose up. Yes, some of us didn't get vaxxed. Some of us didn't get tested. Some of us refused to put on a mask in the grocery store. But at the end of the day, we did not revolt. We didn't really do much. We were afraid of our Karen and Ken neighbors, and we pretty much kept our heads down. Some of us would get in a little back and forth fight, but nobody rose up. So you ask yourself all the time, how is this not happening? How do people not know this? With all the corruption they throw at us, all the corruption that's unveiled right now, it's planned, but it's happening. They're starting to admit mRNA is leaching from women's breasts into their newborn's mouth. mRNA is causing these problems and these problems. The vaccine may be responsible for some deaths. All these new threads from doctors now coming in on Twitter saying, oh, Fauci led the largest mistake. We have the proof. They're manipulating you, by the way. It wasn't a mistake. All this was intentional. But you ask yourself, how could these guys manipulate the masses into not revolting remember i told you at the beginning of this lecture to think about us as the enemy when he talks about the enemy all right and he's talking about them that would be his side the transhumanist technocrats the military industrial complex but we are the enemy and just listen one more time to what he says right here 
while you ask yourself the question, why would the public in the United States here not fight back? Let's play this. Means of contending against others. Formal definition of a weapon, right out of the Oxford Old English Dictionary. Means of contending against others. And we can do that in a number of ways. We can militate their behaviors and their thoughts in some ways as to make them more amenable to what we do, the idea of positive weaponology. Or we can, in fact, mitigate and in some cases completely nullify their capability, will, or engagement to fight. There you go, folks. On a mass scale, could they, he's saying we, we, we could do this. We is the state. We are the technocratic transhumanists. And when he says they, meaning us. We, the state, could do this to them, the plebeians. Take away their will to fight. Utilizing all of these neuroscience technologies, ladies and gentlemen. Just say the last two and a half years, you would say, why did no one fight back? Why did no one stand up? Well, maybe the answers can be found right here in Dr. James Giordano's lecture to the Modern War Institute. He opened up by telling us that the brain is the 21st century battlescape. He said that we would all come in contact with some form of neurocognitive science being weaponized against us. He brought up WMTD squared, weapons of mass destruction and disruption of influence. Disruption and influence, influence over us. He's gone through how to manipulate the mind, how to turn the enemy down almost, manipulate them into the fact where they are pliable and where they become docile. You ask yourself how and why no one has fought back against this state right here against the government right here in the United States. Forget about the world power. Forget about the new world order. Why has no one stood up and fought back against this government? When they pushed us around, they kicked us in the nuts, and they treated us like animals, like slaves, like peasants, like serfs, like plebeians. And then you listen to the Frankenstein doctors that the government employs to develop this weaponized brain science. And they talk about the ability to drug us. They talk about the ability to manipulate us through the internet. They talk about the ability to implant things in our heads, to put devices on our heads. They talk about the ability to turn us into docile little mice to just follow orders and do what we're told. Oh, yes, he makes it seem like he's talking about the enemy, some distant enemy off in Russia or China and North Korea. But you know damn well that this creepy Dr. James Giordano is talking about you and he's talking about me. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back tomorrow, episode 66, I will try to finish up this speech by Dr. James Giordano. Folks, you don't want to miss this. We are going deep. We are getting answers, and we are going to continue to expose the technocratic transhumanists and their regime. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being.
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 